Welcome to the Bliss Seekers Podcast. Our podcast is intended to inspire people to discover their true purpose and follow their bliss. We're on every major platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Please make sure you like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast and please enjoy the show. I'm on a crusade right now for purpose. And I feel like this is the biggest thing that our generation is missing is that everyone was created to do something. What Isaac was created to solve, the problem you were created to solve, I can't solve it. I can't take it away from you. It was you who were supposed to solve it, right? So nobody can compete with you when you step into your purpose. It's your place. And when it's your place, the resources are released for you to do what you were created to do. And there's one thing I've realized is when you try to make your own way, you will pay your own way because God only funds his plans. So when you submit yourself to his purpose, he provides for it. And as a result, you don't need to look for somebody to raise you up because somebody has validated you who put you here in the first place. So I think that's the main thing I want everyone to find is their purpose, their passion, step into it, step in your place and stay in your place, have patience and God will raise you up. So welcome back to the podcast. Today we have a very special guest. He is the founder of Sound Hala. Nigerian-born, he graduated from Cal State University, Monterey Bay. After producing music for over 20 years with five albums under the stage name Delos Adira, he founded his role in music entrepreneurship with Sound Hala. He is also the founder of Help Lead Nigeria, a movement that is creating a better Nigeria. Help Lead Nigeria just recently reached a first stage goal of serving a thousand meals in the fight against child hunger. He is also the author of three books selling worldwide. He is on a mission of helping and impacting the lives of people wherever he is, which is evident in his NGO and his company, Sound Hala. Please welcome to the podcast, David Igbakwe. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Isaac. Appreciate yeah. it. Hopefully I didn't, I didn't kill, kill those names too bad. <laughs> Igbakwe. Igbakwe. It's, it's pretty hard to pronounce. Yeah. So. Igbakwe. Okay, there you go. I apologize. Right. <laughs> Hey man, well, welcome to the show. Uh, I know we've been having some uh, difficulties trying to get together, and you're all the way out there in Nigeria, correct? It's great to be here. It's great to be here, man. Okay, well, um, we always like to start our podcast with getting to know the the guest, you know, because I feel that if uh, our listeners, our viewers, they get to know you, they can connect with you better. So obviously, you were born in and raised in Nigeria. Yeah, born and raised in Nigeria till I was seventeen, and then I moved to the UK and then to the US. Oh, wow. So how long did you spend in the UK? Uh, close to three years. Three years? Okay. And what, what took you to the UK originally? School. School, man. I, I went to school uh, after high school here. I went to, I was trying to go into college there, so university. And uh, I spent like a couple of years in the uni there before I transferred. Okay. So just real quick, uh, talk a little bit about growing up in Nigeria, because I know there might be a lot of misconceptions about Africa and Nigeria, you know, uh, so educate, uh, educate the world out there about, you know, the, the beautiful country of Nigeria on the continent of Africa. I know because a lot of people think Africa is a country and it's not, it's a continent, right? So tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about growing up in Nigeria. I think uh, growing up in Nigeria is, is pretty, it's an interesting experience because uh, the time when I actually grew up in Nigeria was back then in the nineties. So it's very different from how Nigeria is in 2021, right? Um, but I think the experience kind of prepared prepared me for life outside Nigeria. The thing you know about Nigerians a lot is that we're hustlers. Like we're wherever you see 
wherever, whatever country in the world you find Nigerians, they're actually successful because they're just crazy hard workers or super intelligent people. So uh, that's one thing I realized, they prepare you, the hard work, the way our school system is uh, structured here, it's, it's very different. So even when I schooled in the US, it was just like easy. I was taking 26 units and people were like, you're crazy. I was like, nah, this is nothing, right? They're like, they my dean made me sign an undertaking. She's like, David, if you fail one class, you're never going to take past 12 units again. And I aced all the classes. Wow. And it was my first year. I finished the whole major of four years in three years. So it, it was it was crazy. I went a minor too. So it's something like we're trained here to to be tough so that when you get into the world, you you can excel above your peers. That's one thing I realized. That, and Nigeria is a very funny country, right? Because we have different, we speak 500 languages. Yeah, wow. 500 languages. Nigeria. People don't know that, over 500, but there are four major languages. Uh, and so it's a very ethnically uh, diverse uh, country. Uh, I live in Lagos, Nigeria. It used to be the formal capital of Nigeria, but now it's the commercial capital. It's like New York, mm -hmm. crazy busy. Everyone's like, you know, up and about. It's, it's, it's very uh, tight. Uh, so it's, 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 an amazing, it's an amazing experience. If you ever have time, you should come to Nigeria ever like for, for, uh, for a week. Because right now, a dollar is our 500 naira. So <laughs> you wow. pay like 20 dollars for like a four-star hotel. So wow. yeah, yeah it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, so you said a couple really important things. Mental toughness, right? Um, you know, I just spent the last 10 years, uh, decade in, in a leadership organization, and they preached mental toughness. And there was a lot of Africans that were in our company that became millionaires like in faster than anybody else. I mean, we had this large uh, uh, African organization, uh, a lot of Cameroonians, uh, some Nigerians, right? But somehow they just, like you said, they came prepared. A lot of them were like doctors and nurses and, and CPAs, very well educated before, right? But when they came into our vehicle, they just exploded. So talk about that mental toughness. Like, is that just a kind of a Nigerian type uh, culture type deal? Or is it because of school? I think it's it's both. Uh, it's it's, culture, it's a Nigerian thing, but it's also an African thing. Because when you come, it's also, I feel like, uh, I realized that with even like, uh, when I lived in California, we're Mexicans. Like, there is a, when you come from a place of, uh, where things are not as good, when you are placed, given equal opportunity with someone who just was brought up in like a comfort, in comfort you hustle, you just like, you're like a lion. You just want to take it over. You want to, you want to have everything. So I think it's looking back at where you're coming from and not wanting to go there. That gotcha. gives you drive to excel. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, that, that's kind of like the whole immigrant uh, mentality, I guess you could say. Not all immigrants, but the right ones with the mental toughness. You know, I grew up here in the United States, so I understand what you mean by, you know, uh, being born here. We don't realize because everything is somewhat easy, somewhat simple, depending on, you know, how your life go grows up. I, I can honestly say I had a pretty good life. Um, so, but then you have somebody that comes from, like you said, uh, maybe a third world country or where it's not as easy or as, 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 as handed to you as it is in America. And I appreciate that, right? B being born and raised here, but they just take advantage of the opportunity. Like you said, they seize it like a lion, you know? Um, uh, so talk about your experience in the UK. Um, you know, what was that like? Where did you go to school? What'd you study? Okay. Uh, I went to the University of Exeter in uh, Exeter. It's, it's about southwest of uh, southwest of England. 
so it's very close to Bristol and Plymouth. A pretty low-key place like Monterey, pretty low-key. Uh, <laughs> the university was the main attraction, so it's pretty low-key. It's pretty nice, nice uh, place to be at. Um, I studied uh, computer uh, information technology and business together. So it was IT and business. So I was really trying to be in my IT space. It was pretty cool. Um, I think the experience there was because I've been going to UK when I was like being, it's very close to Nigeria. It's like six hours. So okay. we can go in and out. So I've been used to, I understood the culture to certain, uh, it wasn't no culture shock. It was pretty straightforward. Just wasn't a fan of the food. But <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a fan of the food at all. I feel you on that one. Huh? I said, I feel you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Africans there. A lot of African, huge African community. Very, very big. So is it all over the UK or is it in certain, certain spots of the UK? All over the, all over the UK. There's a particular um, society called the African Caribbean society. Mm. It's super big in all universities in the UK. They're there. Huge parties every, every, every month or so. Uh, just trying to bring the African, uh, even the, the Africans that grew up in the UK, with the Africans coming into the UK together, right? Um, it's, it's really big, huge African population. Sometimes there's a particular place in uh, the UK, Nottingham. Whenever I went there to see my my like my close friends, my God, it seems like you're in Nigeria. Everywhere you 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 walk around, you're just like it's a Nigerian guy. You see Nigerian stores, like yeah, wherever you were, wherever you were. Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. So um, you do have kind of a British accent. Is, is did you speak uh, the British English? In, did they speak that in Nigeria, or did yeah, you? Pick that actually, up? Nigeria, yeah, actually, Nigeria. colonized by the British, so okay. we learned English. But the accent is just because, man, for the last like like uh, what seventeen to I'm twenty, I turned twenty eight in in November. So that's about what I'm like fourteen years old. A lot. That's a, a long time away from Nigeria. So. The accent just it just warped. There's a Nigerian accent there. There's a British accent there. There's a California accent there. So words just pronounced <laughs> You just created your own language. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's definitely cool right there. Um, okay, so then you come to the the USA. What brought you to Monterey of all places in the United States? It's <laughs> a good question, man. Because that's a very random place to come from, <laughs> go to. <laughs> I got asked a lot, a lot of times that question. People ask me that question a lot of times. I think it was uh, my cousin actually, she she worked for CSUMB, uh, uh, Cal State Monterey. So we're trying to get something going really quickly. I had to leave the UK in December and I wanted to switch schools for the spring. And so she was like, let me just run it here through my university. We can make it quickly, make it quick, quick. Cause since she's watching it every time, she's making it, she can make it happen really quickly. So, uh, it was really great having her. So she helped me fast track the process to get in uh, really quickly. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Usually when, when, uh, when an immigrant ends up in like some random uh, state or, or place of, I mean, Monterey is not that random. It's in, still in Northern California. It's a beautiful place, right? Yeah, but it's, it's I would never imagine that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would imagine Mexican. See, I'm Mexican myself, Mexican-American. My father's from Mexico. Uh, he does have that immigrant drive mentality, right? Um, but I, I wouldn't imagine a Nigerian ended up in Monterey. <laughs> That's kind of random, right? So talk about 
Exactly, right? So you went from Nigeria to, I guess, London or UK was kind of, uh, you know, common for a Nigerian, right? But for, to come from, from the UK all the way to Monterey, <laughs> and then you're probably surrounded by Mexicans out there. And then, you know, it, there's a lot of farms and stuff, so. That's funny, right? That was the first time I saw uh, a Hispanic or Latino person, Mexican person, like, in, in flesh. <laughs> I remember the experience. Like, it was in class because I came late. So I just got in. I just got into into class and uh i just see different like different races and i'm like huh like that that girl's not white right yeah. and and obviously you know latina girls uh look really curvy and stuff so i was like whoa so like love struck pretty much i was like damn <laughs> and that put me in the latina face for the next five years ah uh. Uh, that was a good thing actually because you didn't you didn't end up in where where most of the uh you know it's a farms a lot of farms a lot of uh, agriculture right so a lot of the mexicans uh, and, and the latinos come from and they go there to work right but it's funny because obviously you know africa i think africa is famous for the the curvy women and stuff like that you know what i mean like just naturally standard right uh it's but it's but it's more ridiculous i think um uh, well, I have a, two stories. Let me tell you, because I went to London for the first time. I believe it was in two thousand, uh, uh, the two thousand sometime, right? And I'm walking around. And I see that I see this um, this African woman, and she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Like, you know, I grew up in America. We, we're used to African American, right? African American and African. I don't know why, but it's just very different, right? Like, I don't know if it, what you guys feed them or the genetics or what, or that's some, but it's just the features. And, and I was just kind of like stuck there. And I was like, oh my God, like, is this, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how beautiful she was. Right. And then we can talk about the physical all day, but you know, this is not about that. Right. And that kind of like made me wonder, like, where do these women, where do these women come from? And obviously I, I, I talked to her, you know, she was not single. So I was a little upset about that. Right. But I talked to her and, you know, and I, and then she, I learned she was from Africa and then you come here and obviously in that area, you have a lot of the, you know, the, the first generation, you know, Mexican or different Latin countries. Right. And they do come, you know, so, so you, you kind of fell in love with the Latinas when you came here. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, definitely. And what did you study at Monterey? Oh, so I came in, I studied, uh, I, I first enrolled in business and then I switched my majors to global studies and then I minored in business management and marketing. Okay. So you mentioned something, you had to leave the UK. Why, why did you come to the US to study? Uh, well, I wanted to switch my majors. And in the UK, when you go in as a, on a tier four, it's called a tier one visa. Yeah, it's a tier one visa, I think that's what it's called. I'm not quite sure what the name of the visa is. Yeah, student but visa, right? You, yes, it's a student visa. But when you when you go on it, you can't switch your majors. Like in the US now, I can switch my majors like three uh, times, right? Yeah. In the yeah. UK, if you do that once, you got to go start again. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and it's only three years. You know, in the US, you can you can stay there for six years. It's your choice, right? Gotcha. In the UK, three years and you're done, mm. right? Or, or four years with a master's and you're done. But you can't stay there past, especially as an international student. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, but you know, somehow in life, it's weird how our journey. Because you know, I never, I, I was, you know, if you seem like a high achiever, I, I was always a high achiever. As a high achiever, you're always like, 
you're never kind of satisfied or happy. You're always looking for that next thing. And it's all, it almost seems like a destination type deal. But I learned recently in my life, you know, that it's about the journey and it truly is about the journey. And once you understand that, you kind of, you kind of tend to enjoy things more, even the bad, even the bad parts of your life. Cause it's all kind of your journey. It's all your story. It's all what makes you who you are, uh, the person you are and, and it develops you and builds character and all that kind of stuff. So Monterey, and that's where you met our good friend, Brian, right? Uh, yeah. And he introduced us together. So thank you, Brian. Shout out to Brian. Right. And so how did you, and how did you and Brian meet? Yeah, me and Brian, uh, I think I met Brian through, uh, I was working for, working with, or even, I don't think I ever started working really, but it was uh, WFG. Yeah, I think it was WFG. Ah, okay. Warfare. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah with my friend uh, Tyler that brought me in. Uh, he was at David assisting. I was about to leave, actually. I was leaving. It was in 2018, August. So I had to leave uh, the U.S. because uh, my work visa had finished and it was time for me to come back. I actually felt like it was time for me to come back. So uh, I, I talked to, I went there, I spoke to one of the guys in charge and then he introduced me and then I met Brian. Brian was just had too much fire. I love that guy. He's so much fire. Like, I was just like, this is like, he, we connected on that part where he has this crazy drive to, to make things happen. And that's how I met him. We used to go to, even go to church in San Jose. I took them to our church in San Jose uh, encounter, SEC encounter. It's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, but he's an amazing guy. Brian is a stud. He was on our podcast, and his story is amazing. I mean, that that kid was working at twelve years old in the fields. You know what I mean? So, definitely, you guys have a that that t- similar tough background made you tough and are, are trying to do something big in life, which is amazing, right? So let's talk about your music because it says here you've been doing music for twenty years, and you said you just turned twenty eight. You said so. You've been. Do- so you've been doing this since you were eight years old. <laughs> so, so talk about that. What got you into music? Uh, what, what kind of music did you start doing? Uh, you know, talk about your career a little bit. So I remember the first time I ever, I ever made music. Uh, it was uh, in, uh, I was eight years old in, in, we call it primary school, where you guys have something, I think it's grade school or something, uh, or preschool. Elementary, I think it is. Yeah, it's elementary. Yeah, it's right before high school. I don't know how America breaks it down in a weird way. Yeah, no, we, we go like elementary to like fifth grade and then you go to like middle school and then you go to high school. Yeah. We only have one. High school is like one, six years, right? <laughs> so, um, but at seven years old, my teacher actually asked me to perform. We're performing Cliff, uh, what's his name? Cliff Franklin's song. One of his songs like that, he was like, he gave me the, the vocals. He was like, sing it. Like, I think you can sing it. And he gave me that, I performed that. Uh, and that's the first time I was on stage, performed that, performed at a French play, we did a French play, old French, so I had to learn French for that. It was nice to do that, and that's how the love began to grow. When I got into high school, nine years old, uh, our high school is six years, so nine to 15. Uh, so so nine years old, I was performing in classes, like my friends were, I was going to boarding school, so they would come to my class and I would, we would perform for them. It was, it was fun. And then by my by 14 years old, they started calling me, sorry, by 10 years old, they were calling me to come perform in my senior classes. So seniors would call me to come perform in their classes. Wow. Right. Yeah, so it was fun. And throughout that, yeah, that's when I discovered the gift. Like, like when I was there, it seemed like I was the king of the room. I owned the room, yeah. right? And 
and that, that's how I found it. And that's how I've been uh, performing it. And then, uh, you know, decided to chase it full time. I uh, started, made the first track in Nigeria. Then when I got to the US, I focused it. I think it was from 2014 to 2019, I made five albums. Mm. There was a 2018, there was, there were like from March to July, there were days I was making songs every day. Like, wow. We perfected the art of making music like that we can sell. And I met my producer in Monterey, actually. It's funny how God worked. I, I got there and he just got there. And and we will stay up. We'll go to classroom like at 6 p.m. We'll get beans and trail mix. <laughs> this canned beans and trail mix. And we'll make some nasty food eat. And then we'll go from 7 in the evening to 4 in the morning. Wow. Every day. Wow. Every day. And here's the, here's the, the word, Isaac. The music sounded like trash. This was when we started. It was crazy, but yeah. the love for the made us put in the work, and we produced a lot of albums. We shot music videos there. We, because of us, CSUV held student shows. Like we have shows that happen on campus, right? And so it was amazing. Yeah, you said something important too. Um, a lot of people are too afraid to start something because they're too afraid to suck. You know, I mean, they don't want to put in that effort. They don't want to be bad before you know because you have to be they say every master was once a disaster right you know what i mean so but too many people are afraid to put in the work because they're afraid to not to fail not to do good and uh what i found with successful people they're they're not afraid they just do it and you guys put in the grind you know i mean and, and how how long did you guys do that for 7 p.m to 4 a.m we yeah we did that we was a constant stuff we did constantly for like four or five years we all through the time we're making albums, we're, we're doing it constantly, right? Uh, we skip parties for this. Like, I remember the day they called me for a party, and I was like, bro, I'm not coming. Mm -hmm. I was in my like, no, I'm not coming. Like, we're not showing up for things. Like, we're so focused on making something happen because I felt like that was the window for us to produce something that we might never have the time again to do. Wow, that's amazing. Where did you get that mindset of, of understanding, you know, success and that having that window of opportunity and, and putting the grind in, is that, is that from your Nigerian roots or did you learn that somewhere? Yeah, I think my Nigerian, my Nigerian uh, roots played a role, but it's, it's mainly my faith. I think, mm. I think it's faith because uh, the Bible says the diligence shall bear root. So that means if you are diligent with your work, if you put in your mind to something, whatever you put your mind to do, you can do it. Awesome. And so you're, you're a man of strong faith. Uh, is that, is that, is that something that most Nigerians have as a strong faith or is that just something that you carry? Uh, no, most actually Nigeria is a very religious country. We are 40, some 47% Christian, about 48% Muslim, and then 2% African traditional. Oh, okay. So it's like, like a, a slight, maybe 0.5% that are atheist like you're 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 one side you're mm. never you hardly find people that are just like chilling yeah and so you know you guys were grinding you guys were producing albums how did sound holla come about oh sound holla is just it's my pain right bro <laughs> you know you make a, a ton of music and nobody's listening to the music there is nothing worse than that and every artist to tell you, you no matter how talented you are if no one's listening to you you can never make any any impact in the industry. So after making all these albums, I realized that, wow, people are not really listening. But when I send the tracks to people, they're like, bro, it's good, it's really good. And I know it wasn't capped because whenever 
people who had played the song on, on TV when I was in America, they played my, my video out here in Nigeria on TV. So I know people where people like the music, but then I realized like, why are people not listening? Then I realized that placement is everything. Like you can make a bad song popular just by placing it well. That's and true. so <laughs> I, I got a team together. I'm telling you, I got a team together. We put everything together and we, we decided that instead of just making a marketing agency where people are just, where we are pushing your project, how about if we fund the project? And then that way we give independent artists who don't have the money because it's expensive to push music. Who don't have the money and the expertise to push music? Let's do it for them. And it just, you know, it caught fire. We were able to raise the first, uh, like a small seed of pre-seed funding to push the first two projects. We have over half a million streams already, uh, climbing up to almost a million right now. We're climbing up almost, we're almost there. We're about to raise our, our real pre-seed funding right now to, to expand in the next year to push over 100 projects. Uh, we are partnered with like four of the top uh, TV stations in Africa already. And uh, I don't know if you know uh, AudioMark, where we're about to work with like uh, places like AudioMark, the biggest streaming platform in Africa. And so we're, we're working uh, to, with like big partnerships, but it's a disruption for independent artists right now. So there's no excuse why people shouldn't hear your music. If it's good enough, we will fund and promote it. Wow, that's amazing. So you so you're basically growing big in, in in your home in your home continent of Africa right now. Is it is it just Nigeria or are you going all throughout all throughout Africa? It's going to be global because it's going audio market is going to be it's a global company. We're going to be global because we want to start with Nigeria because Nigeria is the hub of entertainment in Africa, Nollywood. We're the third biggest uh, movie, you know, producing uh, place. So if if it picks up in Nigeria, if we're able to hit a lot of, you know, records in Nigeria, then we can now go, Africa just trips in. They all come here, oh, something's happening in Nigeria, they, they want to be part of it. And then global, global expansion. I already have, like, uh, people reaching out from the UK and the US actually trying to submit their music. But we're just not, like, focusing on, on uh, outside, outside Africa right now because we want to establish the roots here. So the company is all, always seen as an African company. You understand so that if we want to put africa on the map that's the purpose that, that's very smart actually you know because they say a ripple effect you know when you drop a, a a rock in the water it doesn't start from the outside it starts from the middle right then it ripples out so you're creating the ripple effect in nigeria obviously to bait to to brand it as a nigerian company but then it's going to expand worldwide that's exciting actually and hey i know all about because I, I just started this podcast maybe not even a year ago it's coming up to a year right and and i believe we have one of some of the best content i, I our mission our goal is 250 million subscribers the number one podcast in the world but I also know that I'm just getting started and we're putting stuff out there and sometimes it doesn't get the views that I feel like we should, you know what I mean? But I have the vision and I have the, 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 the long term, like I'm in it, I'm in it for the, for the long, long run. I'm going to make this happen. Right. Or you better send the flowers. Right. Cause I'm going to die trying. So I feel you on that one. So I appreciate that grind that you guys had. And now the fruits are starting to, are, are starting to flourish from, from that hard work. So I dig what you're saying too, man, because I, I saw some of your content, like it's, it's, it's great, it's great content. I feel like it's like, it's like the seed in the soil. And when everybody's seeing it, they're like, oh, well, how, where's, where's Isaac been all this while? Where's Blissick has been all this while? It's been there, you just didn't know, right? So, right, might be your holy pattern right now, but 
is definitely going to blow up. That's yeah. And, and, you know, uh, our mission is more than just it's not about me. Like, I don't even care about me. I don't even, I don't even care about, you know, I, I want to inspire people to find their purpose because I appreciate people like yourself who have found their purpose, who, who've always kind of pursued what they love. And, and you know, th there's too many people that are not, you know, there's too many people that are just kind of autopilot or doing what their parents told them or what their friends told them or what society feels they should be doing. Right. I, I just want to try to help more people realize what they were what god put them on this earth to do right which is your purpose and i feel that you are doing that right so uh what's you know let's talk about you know help lead nigeria uh you know that's another thing you're doing helping your country out there so helping nigeria is pretty it's pretty it's pretty amazing uh i think i go back to nigeria and then we're driving down the street and i saw kids begging for food and he just he just broke my heart. It was it was it just hit me so hard. Like every time I drove down that place, it just it, it was it, it bothered me so much. And I I did this in California. Uh, I used to work in a hotel, and even if they won't like to hear this, but because uh, of the place where I worked, I could see excess food, and I would take it down to the homeless and give some of the homeless on my way back. And even sometimes I'm actually giving my last cash and last food to like kids on the streets. Right. I feel like um, that was uh, just just by I had the heart for it. And so I just decided, OK, let's go out and start serving the kids. And I started doing it myself. I'll go out every Saturday. I got the shirt by myself out every Saturday going, going, going. And then by by December, I just had this nudge to just text a bunch of people like, hey, does anyone want to go put in a group chat? Hey, anyone will go surf with the kids on the street down here, yada, yada. And a couple of people came out and we did uh, the first hundred and then somebody hit me up on LinkedIn and they were like, Oh, we want to do the same thing you did. And then we organized something again. We did like a hundred and something kids. We fed them again. And they're like, Oh, and then people decided to see what we're doing. And then I was like, in December, we're going to serve 1000. We're going to serve 1000 uh, children. We're going to serve 1000 meals. And by uh, June this year, we accomplished that mission. We knocked down the 1000. And now we're going to go back into a more steady and sustainable way of going out every, maybe once every month, we're going out to reach, to reach them. Because we have other agendas we're doing, helping Nigeria. It's a six-point agenda to, to help lead Nigeria. So our goal is not to change Nigeria by ourselves. It's to inspire people to become leaders, raise leaders through service. Because if every, if there are one, we are 170 million Nigerians, if 20% of the population are doing what David is doing, Nigeria will change. So it's not about David. It's really about somebody becoming another David, that kind of thing. And so helping Nigeria is just a platform for leaders, anyone, whatever skill you have, let's go and impact Nigeria together. So it's not one person. It's a, it's a, it's a group of people. It's a movement. Wow, that's amazing. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned something about because in this country, I don't understand it either. We waste so much food like restaurants, uh, grocery stores. They have I don't they throw away tons of I mean, it's not like the freshest, but it's still edible. You know what I mean? And if they would just give that if they would just give that away to like maybe the homeless or to the poor or stuff like that. I mean, it could solve so many problems, but there's just so much politics and you know, uh, uh, stores are afraid to maybe get sued if somebody gets sick or something like that. Yeah. So it's crazy. I mean, it, but it just takes leadership. Like you said, you know, the right leadership in, in this country, um, or just in, in certain areas can make a big, big change and a big impact. And 
so that's why I, I, tr I truly feel what you're doing, you know, with, with Help Lead Nigeria is going to make an impact because you're creating leaders. I mean, that's kind of what WFG was about. I mean, you were in WFG for a little, were you, were you in WFG for a little while or you just kind of got to know it? I was there for uh, like one month, one month. Okay. So you kind of got a little taste of what WFG was about and it's about building leaders because that's the only way you can create something that's long lasting because leaders produce more leaders, produce more leaders. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's amazing. You know, I mean, what's, what's the main goal? What's, what's the biggest goal you said is just to create a movement of people to step up. The goal is just to create a better Nigeria by inspiring everyone to give what they can or do what they can. So for, so I didn't say our six point agenda, there's six, number one, to end child hunger, we want to fight child hunger. We can end it because you can't stop people being hungry, but you can fight it. Number two, to help with uh, medically uh, impaired people, we want to support them. Uh, number three, we want to maybe youth empowerment programs. We want to make sure there's funding for people who have businesses. We want to make sure that uh, people who are wrongly accused, we have uh, the right resources for them, you know, to make it happen. And I think uh, there's one more I can't, this actually comes to my mind right now because it's tied in with one of them. But those are the six point agendas about that we are focused on. These are the areas we want to reach to create that impact that we want. Yeah, that's amazing. And if you help the kids, that's a whole new generation that you're impacting. That's going to that's going to make a difference 10, 20, 30 years down the line. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, you know, I mean, and also talk about the vision for Sound Holler real quick. Where, where do you want that to go? What's the mission? So I was saying, so I was saying our, our goal is to become the most impactful company on the face of the earth. And especially because that will put Africa on the map. But I believe, and we believe, we're strong believers that if you solve problems, right, you bring solutions to the table, the money will come. That's just a fact, mm -hmm. right? So that's our goal, to make sure we're solving problems or making sure we're impacting people's lives. I keep asking my team every time, what is the problem with the artists? What problems do we have? That's how I came up with sound. Like, what problem? What problem? What problem? And we attack it because I see problems in Nigeria and a lot of people trying to leave Nigeria. And I'm like, they think I'm crazy for coming back. But I'm saying I saw purpose. I, I can see problems. I can see what we can solve. And when we solve those problems, we can put Nigeria on the map, put Africa on the map, put yourself on the map. And then guess what? People want to come where they see the solution, right? It doesn't matter where you are. If you're working in purpose, people will come. And so we want to be the most impactful company in the music industry, especially on the face of the earth, caring about the artists. That's our goal. That's why we are called the artist partner. Wow, that's amazing. And I think you're onto something there because they say real leaders have vision, right? And you see something. You see, They say sight is what you see with your eyes, but vision is what you see with your mind. And successful people, like average people have to see it to believe it. Successful people believe it and then it happens. Right. So I think I'm, I'm with you on that one. I see a big potential about Africa. I mean, all the people I've met in WFG, in, 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 you know, just just Africans in general, they just succeed, you know, and it's and also, also obviously to uh, immigrants from from most other countries that have that that mental toughness and that drive to do something big will, will do well. But you're bringing it back to your home country, which is even more amazing. Right. Imagine being the person. And I believe you will that puts your country on the map and i mean your entire country will be put on the map because of you right which would be amazing do you ever see yourself running for any political office in the future in your home country oh 
yeah, yeah, I will be the president of Nigeria someday. Ah, okay. Uh, I will be. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know it's purpose. Like, it's already so, it's a seat zone. It's no ambition. I don't care about that place. I don't care about that. But I can see the heart. Like, there's, you just have a heart for something so big that you know that I just, I just know, and it's just my relationship with God. I already know that at some point I'm going to have to do that. And I see it as a point of service, not as a point of, for like here in Africa, leaders are seen as gods, when in reality, they're supposed to be servants. And that's one thing I learned in the US a lot, like people in political office are seen as who are serving the country so you can hold them accountable. But it's the reverse here. People there are seen as, they bow down to like, oh yeah, you're the king. It's not a kingdom, man. It's a, it's a, it's a democracy. So I, I know I'm, at some point I'm going to have to serve. And I'm ready for it. That's exciting. I can't wait. I, I could just say I had the f- the future president of Nigeria uh, on the podcast. Uh, and you mentioned servant leadership. That That is when when leadership, uh, they say if leadership is not based in servant servitude, servanthood or whatever, that's when it becomes dangerous. That's when the people suffer, right? Because like you said, le- if you are a real leader, you never do something or you never ask others to do something you would never do yourself. And it, a leader is you owe, you owe your people everything. They owe you nothing, right? And we have too many examples of poor leadership in our country and many different countries. So hopefully one day I, I you know, your vision does come true and you are a servant leader for your country and, and they benefit from it, right? So any last words, David, you want to give to, to the people before we wrap this up? Well, it's just, I think the thing I'm on a crusade right now for purpose. And I feel like this is the biggest thing that our generation is missing is that everyone was created to do something. What Isaac was created to solve, the problem you were created to solve, I can't solve it. I can't take it away from you. It was you were supposed to solve it, right? So nobody can compete with you when you step into your purpose it's your place and when it's your place the resources are released for you to do what you were created to do and there's one thing i've realized is when you try to make your own way you will pay your own way because god only funds his plans so when you submit yourself to his purpose he provides for it and as a result you don't need to look for somebody to raise you up because somebody has validated you who put you here in the first place so i think that's the main thing i want everyone to find is their purpose their passion step into it step in your place and stay in your place have patience and god will raise you up. that's amazing man that's exactly what i want to do is help people find their purpose so i think we're in alignment on that hey david man i appreciate you being on the show i know you're you're out there uh, in nigeria and uh thank you for taking time out i do believe i truly believe you're going to achieve everything that you that you set your heart and your mind to and uh, like you said, man, I think God's behind you. And so <laughs> nothing can stop you except for yourself. Yes, yeah, sir. You too, sir. You too, sir. I appreciate you, Isaac. Appreciate you having me. I know this is going to go places. We're going to go places, man. I'm happy to be part of it. Happy to be part of it. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, man. Well, hey, if you're new to the channel, we welcome you. Thank you. Please make sure you subscribe. Please smash that like button and hit that notification bell. David, thank you so much. Uh, you know, appreciate you and and have and have a good day. Hopefully, one day we get to meet. And maybe it's in Nigeria. Hey, definitely. Just let me know. Let me know. I'll be telling Brian. Let me know. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And as always, yeah. As always, follow your bliss. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Our goal, as always, is to become the number one podcast in the world. And uh, make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Make sure you share this with three of your friends. 
And if you like our song, our intro song, please check out my good friend uh, Maroni Silva's band, A Dead Desire, on YouTube. That song is called The Mantra. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys on the next one. And as always, follow your bliss. <laughs>